Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. You know, today I'm excited about this word. We're talking about entering the promised land. And have you guys ever gone to a family reunion? And then they start talking about some things that you don't want them to talk about. I know I've gone to some family reunions and they always want to bring back some old stuff. And all of a sudden say, well, Myron used to do this and used to do that. You're like, wait, 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 don't, don't say all that. My kid's here. But then you have some other stories that that family reunion that they tell and it's like, hey, hey yeah, you can go ahead and share that story. That, that makes me look good, right? Well, today's one of those times. We're talking about the Israelites and we know that them being in the wilderness, as they're coming from getting out of Egypt, being in the wilderness, we know that there's some stories, good, bad, and ugly. But this morning, fortunately, we're talking about a story that I think you and I need to model. Because our family members, you know, there's some DNA that, they, that we get from our family, and I think we've also received some spiritual DNA. And when we're looking at how the Israelites and how the leader of Israel now Joshua, how he handled that situation with them about to cross over the Jordan River. I think it's something for all of us. We can take something from that story and then we can model it in our lives. I look at the story of Russell and Makisha that we just saw, and I'm telling you, that's, that's really a message within itself. We can drop the mic. That story of redemption and that story is not an old story, and sometimes we think biblically that those are old stories and it won't happen now, but I think that story has manifested what God has been doing all this time. That story has manifested today, and we get to see it with our own eyes. A single mom, single mom who didn't know what to do, having a baby, scared, fearful, but God comes in, touches her, she has parents that come in and love her through it. Then she comes back and has a husband that loves her through it, adopts her son. They end up having two more young girls, and now they're living a life for Christ. And that's something that we should be applauding for because that means that God is still on the throne and he gives redemption stories. And that's the moment that we have to celebrate with our family, y'all. Because a lot of times we're hearing some things that's out there, things that's negative, but what about the redemption story of Russell and Makisha? Now, is this something that we're going to keep to ourselves, or is this something that we're going to continue to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ to let them know that God is still on the throne? That's my challenge to you. God gives us stories. This series is called, This is Our Story. We're talking about our people, our family, our spiritual family, all the way from Abram, that God gave the promises that, yes, I'm going to make you a great nation through your name. I'm also going to give you possession of the land in Canaan, and I'm going to give you that possession, but you need to leave your father's house, and you're going to go somewhere that you've never gone, but you have to trust me. And now in this story, entering the promised land, it's 600 years later. And the Israelites are right there at the banks of the Jordan River. 
And now at the banks of the Jordan River, what are they going to do? What, what are you going to do when it's been, you've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? What are you going to do when you get to the banks of the Jordan River and there's your promised land where there's milk and honey for you? What are you going to do when that obstacle comes in your way? And so this is where we are in this story. And I want you to walk with me in this story. We're going to talk about this, but we're going to put some practicality to this story where we're going to talk about it in context, but we're also going to speak about it from a practical manner that you and I can apply in our daily lives. Are you good with that? Good, good. Thank you, Vic. My question to everybody in the house is this. What would be your response when approaching the banks of the Jordan River after wandering in the wilderness all these years? A lot of times it's easy to look in Scripture and we start putting our opinions. Oh, why would they do this? Why would they do this? But what would you do if you had been in a tough situation where you've gotten, God has brought you out of captivity. He's given you a promise of the promised land and now you're right there. But then you face water that's flowing and it seems to be an obstacle in your life. What would you do? I think many of us would see another body of impossibility. Maybe a body of disappointment, a body of bad luck or just another obstacle. But I want you to know this, where we see barriers, God sees opportunities. Where we see fear, God sees moments for us to walk in faith. Where we see the impossible, God sees the miracle. The Jordan River can look like the impossible or it can look like another miracle waiting to happen. How does it look in your life? Because sometimes that Jordan River looks like cancer. And I know there's some of us that's sitting in this room, that's somebody that has been diagnosed with cancer and it looks like an impossibility of you getting healed. Other times the Jordan River can look like broken relationships. Sometimes it's divorce. Sometimes it's separation due to a death in the family. Then there are times with mental health where you're suffering from anxiety, you're suffering from depression, you don't know which way to turn and it seems like it's a Jordan River. It looks like a big impossibility in your life. And then there's some addiction where you're turning to some substance or you're turning to some alcohol and you've been turning and turning and turning, but you know what? It hadn't been fulfilling you. It seems like a Jordan River. It, it looks real big. It looks like it's impossible for me to cross over this state that I'm in. And then when we look at our country, we, we see some racial, some socioeconomical, and some political divide. We see people operating on two ends of the spectrum. What do you do when you get to that situation? And, and what about our city, Opelousas? As I came here, I started to listen to some of the leaders in Opelousas, some of the people in Opelousas, and one of the things that had been said to me was that it's very difficult for Opelousas to come together. It's been difficult for black people, white people, Republicans, Democrats. It's been very difficult for those people to see eye to eye. And we don't think that it can happen in Opelousas. There's been some impossibilities. But I want to ask you a personal question. 
How should I respond to what seems impossible? How should you respond to what seems impossible? Are, are you willing to walk with me on that? Do, do, you, wanna, do you really want to know the answer? Why don't you follow with me Joshua, the third chapter, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at what God is saying here. It says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, read with me, move out of your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them. Read with me. Keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, make sure you don't come, what, any closer. And then verse 5, then Joshua told the people, what? Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And so the first example I think we should follow after reading this passage of Scripture is this. Number one, move out the way and follow God's lead. Can you look at me? This is important because I can tell you this because out of experience, there are some times in my life that I have positioned myself to go before God and I found myself getting very frustrated is there anybody else who wants to be truthful in the house that has also done that? I, I see we have some truthful people. Have you decided to, without consulting God, that I have an impossibility, but you put that S on your chest like you're superwoman or superman, and you go out before God, and you start to make something, you know, you try to make something happen. I've tried it. I've done it many times. There, there are times I'm just like, yeah, I know I can do it. But every time, instead of crossing over the impossibility, I land flight right in front of it, and then all of a sudden the world starts to come apart. I, I want you to understand that we've got to let God lead us, and we are here to follow because this is it. God doesn't need us to be a God. God needs us to be a servant. Now, there's a difference. When it's a God, a God tries to do his own thing. I can do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do, and nobody can tell me anything. But a servant follows his master. Now, as Christians in the body of Christ, we shouldn't get offended by that word servant because we have a good master. Am I talking to someone here today? We have a master who died on the cross for our sins and sacrificed his life for us, which means that I'm okay with letting God lead because I know he's leading me in the right direction. When I look at God and you look at this passage of scripture, you also see that the Levitical priests, the leaders, they carried the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represents God, the presence of God. They carried the presence of God in front of the people, right? And when I look at that, 
the Ark of the Covenant, I want us to be aware of how big and how powerful our God is. Sometimes I hear people saying some things like, oh, that's the man upstairs. Oh, that's the big man. But no, 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 no. He's the creator of the universe. He's your creator. So shouldn't we honor our God? Shouldn't we understand that when the presence of God is here, shouldn't I, as a human being, have some honor and some respect for him? When I look at what God has done for me, it should make us just live in awe, just be in awe of what God has done. The great thing about that Ark of the Covenant, when the Ark of the Covenant went there, Joshua told me, listen, get out the way. Know your place. And keep your space. You understand that? Know your place and keep your space because you're going into uncharted waters. How many of us have been doing some things in life and you've never been there before? You have no experience and you're trying to accomplish that on your own. Huh? You're going into uncharted waters. What about COVID? Wasn't COVID uncharted waters to us? Didn't we have some individuals that went ahead of God and started making comments on social media, started stirring some things up, and really started to get the body of Christ excited? Got quiet in here today, huh? Do we have some, uh, some social media fingers that have been doing work? Well, well hopefully the message convic- convinces you or convicts you. And so there are times that we're going into uncharted waters, church, And we've got to let God who knows everything about us, God will listen. He'll pave that way. He'll open that path so that you can continue walking in your miracle. I want you to understand that all we have to do is allow God to go before us and know our place, understand our space, because I'm not a small God. I'm not a God, but I am a servant and I have to be okay with the position that God has given me. You know, when the impossibility shows its face in your life, there's some fear, there's some anxiety, there's some doubt that comes, right? But, but I want you to know this. God knows what to do with it. When the scriptures say, cast all your anxiety on me because I care for you, Jesus is telling you that because he knows what to do with your pain. He, he knows what to do with your struggle. And I know today there's some people in the house today, you have some struggles, you're facing some situations that you're trying, you're trying, you're trying to do your work and do your best in, but it's just beating you down, beating you down. And I want you to understand, just give it. You you know what cast means? Cast means throw. And what Jesus is telling us today, you've just got to take that anxiety, take that that pain, take that doubt, and you've got to throw it to God. In other words, pass the ball to God. He knows what to do with it. But we got to trust him. Got to trust him. The second point I want to make is that it's very important. We've got to fear God. Which means, I talked about it earlier, having awe, being in awe of God, having reverence for God, honoring God. And the Israelites, they feared God. You can tell because Joshua said, you have to, what, consecrate yourself or purify yourself. Sanctify yourself. What does that mean, Pastor? It means we've got to be set apart, right? 
Prepare yourself to be in the presence of God and to experience the power of God. Y'all, this is a very important thing. Fearing God. Consecrating yourself. You, You know what that means? The scripture talks about us being a living sacrifice. Back in the Old Testament, they made sacrifices so that their sins could be forgiven. They made sacrifices so they can be in the presence of God. But today, unlike the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, what, resides in us. Back in the day, the Holy Spirit was with them, but what didn't reside in them. So God came in many different forms. His presence was there. And so when the presence of God is there, you have to honor that presence. He told Moses, hey, take your shoes off because what? This is holy ground. And so how do we come in the presence of God, purifying ourselves? Back then, they had to wash themselves. They had to wash their clothes. Husbands and wives, they couldn't, they didn't have sex at that time because they wanted to be holy in front of the almighty God. Now, do we have the same mindset of God as the people back then had? Do we think of God with so much honor that we want our hearts to be clean before we come to the presence of God? It's important, church that we understand who our mighty God is and we situate ourselves, allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us, which means that we repent of our sins, right? God, I'm going to turn away from that mess because I know it's not good and you don't like it. I'm going to love what God loves and I'm going to hate what God hates. Huh? I tell you who did that. King David did that. King David committed adultery with Bathsheba. So you know what the scripture says? King David, he bathed and changed his clothes before he worshiped the Lord. Romans 12 talks about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When we worship, we come to God in a different mindset. Sacrifice means I take something that I think belongs to me and I give it to God. So my living sacrifice, my body is a living sacrifice. What we're telling God as the body of Christ is this. God, this is my body. I don't own my body. It's yours, God. You do what you want to do with it. I'm willing to follow you, God. It doesn't matter what. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. That's what that means. Church, it's important that we get this because if we keep thinking that we own our bodies, it means that we're going to do whatever we want to do. And we're seeing this now in culture. I'll do this. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You know, that's a sense of entitlement. That isn't even biblical. We start taking on ideologies that the world gives us and we grasp onto that. And those false ideologies has us acting just like the world and we can't continue to do that. And and you know what? We won't continue to do that because you're hearing the word of God and prayerfully the Holy Spirit is working in your hearts right now while you're sitting in those seats. God's going to minister to you. Don't tap the next person on the side of you. God's going to minister to you. Let's keep on going. Joshua 3, verse 6 through 8. Are you with me? In the morning, Joshua said to the priest, lift up the Ark of the Covenant. That's the presence of God, right? 
and lead the people across the river. Read this with me. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Jordan River. I'm talking about the current is just going fast. I'm talking about the body of water that I am supposed to cross with no boat. No flotation device. And you're asking me to go cross that body of water? I don't know about you, but I might be a little bit skeptical. Now, I know we have some praying people in this church. I know we have some believing people in this church. But I might take a step back and say, whoa, Joshua, how are we going to get across this water? You're telling the Ark of the Covenant is going first, and now you put us about a half mile so that we can see it. But you want us to step in this water? And even if I'm the priest who are leading the people, I'm saying, what? I want you to put yourself in that situation. That's not an easy accomplishment, right? That's extremely difficult. Verse 15, it was the harvest season. And listen to this. And the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Man, God got to make this story even more interesting. <laughs> I can't just be, I, I, God just, you can't just give me a pond. You got to give me a river and then you got to make it overflowing. Can you imagine trying to walk across the Mississippi River when it's been pouring down in Louisiana like around January, February, and I'm saying, hold up, God, couldn't you do this in the dry season? It goes on to say, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, look at this, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam which is near Zarathon. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people, listen to this, crossed over near the town of Jericho. Dry ground? When I'm looking at a flooded land, a flooded river bank, and now I'm walking into the river and the, the river's dry? Now, where did we hear this before, God? You spoke this to us because this happened years ago in Egypt when we were crossing over what? The Red Sea. So this happened before, and now you're just replaying it for us so that our faith can grow. Which leads me to my third point, which is walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I want you to understand this because in my physical eyes, I see water and water, which is represented in scripture, usually means turmoil. It means a lot of chaos. I'm looking at chaos. I see chaos in my life, God. How am I going to get out of that situation on my own without a flotation device. And God is just saying, no, no, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to clear this up for you. I'm your insurance plan. 
So if there's anybody out there that's looking around and you see the impossible, why don't you start inviting God to the scene so he can go before you and you're going to see some pathways open up. Your eyes can magnify problems which ushers in doubt to your mind. I want to say that again. Your eyes, your physical eyes can magnify problems which ushers doubt to your mind. On the other hand, faith understands that big problems are no match for our big God. So my eyes have fooled me. When I played college basketball, my eyes saw a lot of different things. I saw a lot of different young ladies. My eyes fooled me, and I said, oh, that's the one. But thank God, faith brought me my wife, Courtney. <laughs> okay? There's some of us in the house that our eyes are seeing one thing, and it's drawing us to believe it in our head, and we're acting upon it, which we are limiting ourselves because we're limiting a great God. But when we start putting a different lens on, when we start putting the lens of Jesus Christ, having a biblical worldview, having a different perspective, we don't have that doubt sitting in our hearts. And you know what happens when that doubt comes? We give it to God in faith, and God says, no, 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 I want you, Myron. You just walk. I've got something on, for you on the other side, but I want to see you put something in your feet so you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Just go ahead and walk. Now, a lot of times, you know what doubt does? You know what anxiety does? It keeps our feet planted in the same place that we're in, and then we want God to continue to bless us, but we haven't walked. Now, for the Israelites to get to the other side to experience the promised land, for us to experience the purpose and the plans for God in our life, he's telling us, church, you've got to walk. Because you can keep your feet planted and you think it's safe, or you can go ahead and walk in faith where you think that it's going to be a mushy ground where you're going to fall. It's going to be dry ground because God already planted the way for you. So I want you to understand what are you going to do? Your eyes can see the weakness even of your leaders. But your faith trusts God's empowerment of your leaders. They had to listen to Joshua. Joshua was God's called. He was ordained to be the leader of the Israelites. Now, some of them could have said, man, listen, Moses is gone. Who made you boss? I'm not doing that. But I want you to see the heart of God's people. You know what they did? They followed. They listened and they obeyed. And once you bring what? The word of God to a people and they have the obedience in their hearts, you start to see action. You want to see action in your life? You're tired of being in the same old, same old? You know what happens? Listen to the word of God. Be obedient to that word and watch action happen. Because you know what obedience does? Obedience takes you from your little spot that you feel comfortable in. Obedience pushes you up. Obedience gets your will going to where I'm going to walk with God. I might not understand where he's leading me just like Abraham, but I know that God is leading me to the right place that's good for me and my family and everybody that's in my circle. 
We, we have to believe that. I want you to know that if the Israelites had turned a deaf ear to Joshua, they wouldn't have experienced his miracle, the miracle, or the promise. Is, is that happening to some of us? Is there a miracle and a promise that God has for us, but we just won't walk because we don't believe? We'll move on. Joshua 3.17. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. They waited there until the whole nation, right? It didn't say some. The whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground, which leads me to my fourth point. Trust God. He will always keep his promise. We serve a mighty God. He can't lie. When God says it, it has to happen. There are some times in our life that we give the enemy so much credit that we keep our feet planted in the same area that we're in because we say, well, the enemy made me do it. The enemy's not going to allow that to happen. I want you to understand that there is not a competition between God and the enemy. God is sovereign. The enemy has to ask permission before he even does something to you. We have to have the right perspective in this kingdom that we're living in. Now, don't get me wrong. Am I aware of the enemy's schemes? Yes, we all should be as Christians. We know what the enemy's trying. We understand his playbook. You have to understand that because once you understand the playbook, you can start preparing yourself. The Holy Spirit will begin to prepare yourself so that we can what? We can duck off some of those attacks. But we don't fear the enemy. Because we serve a mighty God. And if God is for us, what's the, we know the scripture, who can what? Who can be against us? And that's just not a church phrase that we're saying. I'm talking about that's a promise from the almighty God. And what God promises, God delivers. God will not lead us where his grace cannot provide for us or his power cannot protect us. Somebody needs to hear that again. God would not lead us where his grace cannot provide for us or his power cannot protect us. God will provide for you and God will protect. God will go before you and God will also be what? In the back of you. God will go before you to open a pathway for you to walk. God will also have your back to protect you from enemies trying to sucker punch you. Somebody gets a little bit scared because, you know, looking, looking behind your back, God's already got me. I don't have to look. Hmm? I, I remember growing up doing some different things. Mason, why don't you walk out of here real quick? No. <laughs> got sucker punched one time. Didn't feel good. But, man, when I gave my life to Christ... Stop looking behind my back. I just knew God had my back. I knew God was, you know what, it's like a rampart. You know what a rampart is in a, when they have those cities? It's like a wall that's built all around to protect you from the enemies. 
And when you start walking, you, I, I know, listen, they got, they got a legion of angels that's around me. God's protecting me. I can just keep on walking. You, you can live in peace when you know that God is on your side. You can put that anxiety and that frustration down when God is on your side. Don't allow your environment to dictate your mindset. Huh? Because just like Makisha's story, her story, yes, she had an environment, but she didn't allow it to dictate, you know what, her mindset because God came in, the Holy Spirit started to minister to her heart. She, the Holy Spirit and God brought Russell in her life, and you know what, they're living a life for Christ, a redemption story. Now, if that can happen to them, it can happen to you. And you know why I can speak that? Because not only did it happen to them, but it also happened to me and my wife. Not only did it happen to me and my wife, but when I li listen to our staff's stories, it happened to them. When I, when I go into the streets of Opelousas, those people who have been born again and called by God, they have the same story, a redemption story. So I want you to know if you're living in here, if you're sitting in here and you think that there's no hope, that's a lie of the enemy. Don't believe it. God got something for you. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Here's a word for Opelousas. Pride, poverty, and prejudice has seemed to be impossible to crack in this city. Those three things have caused division in our churches, in our schools, local government, and community. I've seen just just the past experience, and I won't get into all the details of it, just for the schools that you started to see one in that, and everybody's talking differently, and God wants the church to be unified in our spirit. You, you see different things happening. Well, I don't trust this person. I don't trust this person. Well, when y'all were in leadership, y'all did that, but no, not, not y'all. It's, it's always y'all. But God's breaking that down. Because I want you to understand, what if our leaders came and saw pride, prejudice, and poverty, and they walked up, and that was their Jordan River, and they said, well, God, that's a little bit too hard for me. I can't climb over there. I'm out. What if our leaders didn't allow God and trust God to go before them to start breaking some of those chains? And I want you to understand those chains are being broken, because if you don't believe it, look to your right and to your left. Because I see some curly hair, I see some straight hair, I see some coarse hair, I see some brown skin, I see some darker skin, I also see some white skin. And if you tell me that the enemy has so much power, how did this happen in the house? But, but wouldn't have happened if the call of God on the leaders, if they would have stopped and said, no, those rivers are impossible to cross. You can't beat it. I can't beat pride. I can't beat prejudice. I can't beat poverty. No, 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 I'm not going to stop. But God gave something. The Holy Spirit empowered the leader to see something different, putting on a spiritual lens instead of walking by sight, started walking by what? by faith, and all of a sudden you start seeing the miracle happen right here in the city of Opelousas. Yeah. 
when the church begins to walk in faith as a holy nation, we will begin to celebrate together. And when you celebrate together, you can also suffer together. You can experience God's miracle for this city together and ultimately will eventually overcome together. But it's about who do you believe in? Do you believe what the world is telling you? Or do you believe that God is an omniscient God, omnipotent God? That God can do whatever he wants to do. He's sovereign. He's providential. Do you believe in the big God? Let's keep on walking. Joshua 4, verses 1 through 3. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, each from each tribe of man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Let's go to verse 6 through 7. We will use these stones to... Build a memorial. And listen to this. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. When we're talking about this, it leads me to my next point, build a memorial. Build a memorial. I'm not talking about a statue. I'm not talking about a monument. I'm not talking about something physical. Because you know what happens with statues and monuments? They can be taken down. They can be destroyed. But what happens when we build a monument and we build a memory in the hearts of people? There's no man that can come and enter your heart and take that memory away. When I'm looking at my children, one of the reasons why we put those scriptures on the screens, I mean those questions on the screens rather, for all of our series, we've been having those questions, those family, family discussions. You know why? So that we can build a monument. We're trying to build memories. And this is the great thing. We're talking about memories of the past And I'm going to tell you how our family, how the conversation started to go. It goes from memories of the past, biblical memories, biblical stories, and all of a sudden it starts to stretch across and start to hit the present-day lives of the Guillory family. And then we start to see how our stories start to match those stories in the past, and then we begin to talk to the kids about those stories in the future because they're going to be affected in. But if we don't speak to our kids about the stories, then they'll be walking in their own story. So if we're trying to affect the next generation, just like what happened on Friday with the vote, with the, with the decision from the Supreme Court, you know what's important that we tell the story because it's about God coming in. And you know what? Writing the story on our hearts and in our minds. Because when, when God's laws are in your heart and in your mind, I'm not talking about the Constitution. I'm talking about the Word of God. God's laws are in your heart and in your mind. You know what you would? You know what? You don't forget it. And you start to live accordingly. Y'all, it's amazing 
When you start to follow God and you say yes to him because you say, no, no, God, I'm a servant of God. I'm not doing this on my own. I think God's speaking to somebody today. The measure of our honor for God is determined by future generations giving him that same honor. I want my kids to give God that honor. Because if I don't speak to them, if I don't talk to them about God and give them the stories, we're talking about the big rocks, and we're sharing those in our sermon series. If I don't share that with my kids, then I'm doing them a disservice. If we're talking about we want this world to get better, we want Opelousas to get better, then you know how you get better? Share the story. Share the story so that the next generation coming up, they're going to share the story. You know what happens? It keeps going back and back and back, generation after generation after generation. And when you see generations come together and they're believing in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's when we're going to see the effects of what God wants in our lives. That's when we're going to see the miracles. How many of us want a miracle in our world? Hold up. Now, I, now that, I'm, a, I'm a former coach now. That, that, that was like some people that don't believe in the miracle. I, I want to just see if you, if you believe in the miracle. How many of us want a miracle in our lives? Hmm? That, that sounds a little bit better. Because if there's a miracle that we're awaiting, there has to be some faith involved as well. Now, don't get me wrong. God can do whatever he wants to do. But I'm giving you the example of what happened with what? Our family. They put feet to their faith. I, I want to remind everybody that we serve an amazing God. I want to challenge the men of God in the house and the women of God in the house about building a monument within your family. Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to our children through us so that they keep telling the story. All throughout the Old Testament, you hear God telling the Israelites, remember when, remember what I did for you on the Red Sea. I delivered you out of Egypt. Remember the 10 plagues. And I destroyed the enemy, but I kept you. So my story to my kids, I want you to remember the things that dad has done, but God has delivered me and gave me a redemption story, and I want you to pass that on to your son. And, and then afterwards, my grandson is going to pass it on to his son, and my granddaughter is going to pass it on to her daughter, and it will keep going and going and going, and prayerfully we'll have a generation of Guillory's that are serving God, just like Joshua said, me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a good place to give God some praise. Today, someone can build a memorial for their lives. There's a story for you to tell, and that's a redemption story. And the great thing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 
is that he loves you in spite of. Don't think you have to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. Allow Jesus to clean you up. There's someone who wants a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to respond to what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you for quite some time. And here's an opportunity for you to do that. I want you to understand our God and how much he loves you. The Israelites, they've messed up, messed up, messed up, messed up. Moses had to intercede for them, and God just kept on, kept on forgiving them. So don't believe what people say about God in the Old Testament, that he was cruel, he didn't love people, he did that. No, that's untrue. That's the enemy's lies again coming at us. God loves us. He's merciful. And man, God's grace just keeps going and going and going and going. And his grace is here for you this morning. His grace is that unmerited favor. No, you don't deserve him. But he still gives us grace. He gives us an opportunity for us to come to him because he loves us so much. God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whoever believed in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. And we as Christians, we just want you to have everlasting life. We want you to live with us for an eternity because we want you to be in our family. And in our spiritual family, we just keep on living. There's no death. And so this morning, if that's anyone, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to be born again. That doesn't mean physically. It means a new spiritual birth. You become a new creation. You have a new spirit. You become one with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The opportunity is now respond to that call. With every head bowed, all eyes closed. It's as simple as ABC. First, admit that you are a sinner. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe that. God died for your sins, but he was raised from the dead. And see, confess those sins. Repent of your sins, which simply means to turn around. Have a change of mindset. You're not going to continue doing the old things you used to do. And we have a prayer that we're going to pray. That prayer doesn't save you. That prayer is a simply a response to the call of God on your life. And if our spiritual family, we want to join with you. And before we do that, if that's you, if that's you, can you raise your hands? Is there anybody today that wants to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior in their lives? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for responding to the call of God on your life. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray with you. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross... You took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.